All right, thank you, Alden, for the poem and the visuals that you put together. A beautiful way to start this Advent season. Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you. Those in person, I know we have some folks online as well. Uh, this is my one of my favorite seasons, Christmas. On the way in today, I was listening to Christmas music for the first time of the season. I was like, okay, it's Advent. Now I can begin. And what does Advent mean? It's these weeks leading up to Christmas. And Advent is this period of preparation for celebrating two things. One, preparing for celebration of Jesus's birth. We, we all know that one. But it's also a season of preparing for Christ's second coming. And we're going to talk about those two things today, Christ's birth and his second coming, and how do we have hope in the midst of that. So we have hope, peace, joy, and love, these key themes, and near the end of the service, we'll light the hope candle. Um, But why this preparation? Because there's waiting. Israel had to wait 700 years from the promise of the Messiah until the Messiah arrived. From the time of the prophets, it was 400 years This promise took a long time to be filled. They had lots of time, if you will, to prepare for the coming of Jesus. But the wait was so long that their hope turned to questions. Has God forgotten? Is this still happening? What's going on in this world? And maybe you can relate to those same questions when the waiting is longer than anticipated. What will happen? How do I hold on to hope? So as we begin this season of preparing and preparing to celebrate, preparing for Christ's second coming, I want to invite you into what does it mean to hope in this season, this hope that sometimes is difficult to hold on to when we've been waiting for so long. So we have to have hope because not everything is yet fixed. We want to hope because everything is not yet right. If everything was perfect, we wouldn't have a need for hope. And so hope is necessary. What are things you've hoped for? I've talked to many people this past year hoping for COVID restrictions to end, right? Hoping to be able to travel. Hoping for a spouse, a partner. Hoping for a child. Hoping for healing, hoping to get into the university that they want or to get the job that they are hoping for. And there's waiting. Waiting is an acknowledgement that we are not in control. These last three years have been a worldwide lesson in how little control we have to change our environment. We might ask, has God forgotten me? Has he overlooked me? Is he paying attention to others more than me? Why are they getting what they're hoping for? And I'm still waiting Our hopes are up here, but our reality doesn't always match. So how do we deal with that gap? That's what I want to talk about today. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are a God of hope, that you are the King of kings, that you sent your son to show us how to walk with hope through challenges. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit today is speaking to us and in us through all parts of this service, Jesus, in your name. Amen. I want to start with Hebrews today, Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. The author of Hebrews says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. 
where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So what does this mean? There's this image of this anchor, right, for our soul. It's really kind of our whole lives. All of who we are is this anchor. And the anchor is a symbol that we see the early Christians used in the Roman catacombs. They would paint anchors as symbols, a way of showing, like, this is where the Christians are going. This was a powerful thing for them. And so what is the author trying to say here? This anchor goes behind the curtain, right? This anchor anchors us behind the curtain because Jesus has entered on our behalf. What is that curtain? That curtain is what separates the Holy of Holies, right, from the people. This was where God's presence was in the Old Testament, In the Ark of the Covenant during the tabernacle times, during the temple times, this is where Christ's presence was, and the high priest could only go in there one day out of the year. And Hebrews is telling us that Jesus went in there on our behalf. He went in there so we can also enter because of what Christ had done. Do you remember what happened to this veil, to this curtain, while Jesus died on the cross? This veil was torn Right? That symbol of God's presence with us because of what Christ has done. So our hope is meant to be an anchor. What Jesus has done is meant to be an anchor. Melchizedek was the high priest over Israel. And now we're hearing that Jesus is actually our high priest. So our hope has a name. It's rooted and grounded in Jesus. Okay. Now let's zoom out a little bit and look at the big picture of the Bible, the big story of hope from Genesis to Revelation, right? God's will, God's plan cannot be derailed. What he wants to accomplish will be accomplished, but he allows sin in this world, right? Sin and suffering, brokenness, cancer, health issues is not God's will, right? It's not going to derail his plan. He will use those things as we offer those things to him, but they're not what he has wanted. And so we see in this world this creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. This creation that we've talked about, that God created everything right and good, and heaven and earth were overlapped. Sin enters the picture and pulls this apart, the fall, right? Things that are not of God enter into the reality of our world. And yet, we can see this story, whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, you can understand that things are not the way they should be. But we get glimpses of how things could be. And maybe especially in this Advent season, right? It's funny, some of the the Christmas movies, they don't have um, any type of connection, really, to the birth of Christ. And yet, they have this ethos or this value that that during Christmas, you know, it's that time to really try to do the right thing, right? It's this hope of redemption, if you will, and eventually everything will be redeemed and restored. So as Christians, as we look at this, you know, big picture from Genesis to Revelation, what is the Christian hope? What is the Christian hope? Now, I thought I was not going to use this diagram. I told you last week was the last time 
uh, for a while, but I, I couldn't get away from it, so my apologies. Um, but this diagram really illustrates what the Christian hope is. It shows this overlap right now, this beginning of redemption and restoration, that change is possible, renewal is possible, healing is possible now. It's not yet complete. At the end of the story, it will be complete. It will be overlapped. So our Christian hope is not that we exit this world to heaven, not that we escape. It's not dying and going to heaven. Our Christian hope is that heaven comes here, that it's restored. Everything is redeemed, that all things will be made new. Not all new things, but all things made new. That is our Christian hope. Hope is not just wishful thinking. I hope the U.S. will make it out of their group play in the World Cup. That is wishful thinking, right? (laughs) That might not happen. Our Christian hope is rooted in God, rooted in who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. Oh, so let's come back to Jesus. How did Jesus remain hopeful? We celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas, obviously. He was born human, 100% human, 100% God. We celebrate his incarnation. That's him becoming flesh, his walking amongst us, his doing life. And Jesus did not avoid hard things. He didn't avoid the suffering but he walked through it. As the son of God, he was not exempt from doing life here. He was not exempt from suffering, from disappointment, from experiencing injustice, to seeing injustice. He lived in the real world as a real person. He wept for those he loved. He felt hunger, thirst. He grieved when his friends died. He gave himself up, was tortured, was punished. Yet through all of that suffering, he remained hopeful. How did Jesus do it? See, in Jesus' humanity, we have somebody that gets it. We have somebody that can relate to what we are walking through. And if you're here today and you're still figuring out this whole Jesus thing, you're not sure if you believe in this Jesus, that's okay. I'm glad that you're here. Continue to learn, ask questions, press in. But the journey of a follower of Jesus is to become like Jesus, to become Christ-like. Jesus took on our humanity. He became man, and and in a sense, we take on his. Now, our journey, I'm not going to say is to be God-like. That sounds like we become like God. But I'll say Christ-like, this discipleship, this journeying. Jesus took on our humanity, right? Our nature. And he invites us into a journey of becoming transformed by his nature. Our heart, our motivations, our direction. We have an internal transformation that works itself out externally. We love God, right? Love people, love doing good, our vision. It works itself out in how we live and how we act and how we behave, how we treat other people. It's a journey of becoming more Christ-like. And we have a God that wants to transform us internally so we can live differently in this world. Jesus shows us how to be truly human. 
have to be truly human in that creation dynamic where heaven and earth are completely overlapped before there's sin, before there's family dysfunction, before there's health issues, before there's pride. He shows us how to be truly human. He lived in the real world with real emotions, real pain, real disappointment, real tears. And he invites us into that overlap to experience it and to live it out. Hebrews carries on in chapter 11 and says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. See, we have hope because it's not completely overlapped yet. Not everything has been made new. We can see glimpses of it, but we don't see it entirely. So Hebrews tells us to hold on to that hope through faith. Now, why is hope important? Well, life is kind of hard without it, right? We might feel stuck. But there's been research to show the benefits of hope. The research says this, Hopeful people have more positive than negative emotions, have closer relationships, give and receive more social support, are less likely to be depressed and actually perform better on the job. (laughs) There are benefits to hope, right? There's a need for hope in our lives. But if hope depends entirely on me, if I am the only one that can change my world, to the way I want it to be, it will be a losing proposition. There are certain things I have control over, but much I do not. If me being hopeful depends on what I can accomplish, it will not be lasting. So we need hope. When Cody was, my oldest, was young, I think he was about 10 years old, and we were working our way through the Harry Potter books. And... We had to read them before we could watch the movie. And part of what, and I've shared this story before, as we were journeying through those Harry Potter books, they were pretty thick. And we would get to a point in the story where it looked like all hope was lost, right? The heroes were going to lose. Evil was going to win. And it created such tension for Cody that it was hard to read on. And so what he did, which he did when I wasn't in the room, he would flip to the back of the book. And he would read, oh, good will win, right? The hero will come out on top. Evil won't win the day. And that gave him hope where he could go back into the story and then read knowing what was going to happen, right? But actually, that is what we have in our scripture. We can go back to the end of the book, read the last two chapters of Revelation, go, oh, that's what I needed to hear because it changes how we live in the moment. See, Satan's lie is that It will always be this way, that it will always be this way. And that's just not true. Your current chapter is not the rest of the story. And sometimes we need reminders that it is not the rest of the story. We can live with hope in the present because of who Jesus is, because of his spirit, because of what he has done and what he will do. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. 
So this phrase, minds that are alert and fully sober, it's a Hebrew idiom, and it means when you were running and you had a gown when you ran, and you would tuck your gown into your belt so you could run faster. Right? It's this idea that we have a part to play in our hope. We have something to do. It's not a passive thing. We're to engage it. And Peter says this, set your hope on the grace brought to you by Jesus himself. So focus your mind, right? Spend some time thinking about hope and those things that encourage you in your hope. And it could be different for each one of us. I know for me, being here on Sunday mornings is incredibly hopeful. Spending time with God while I'm on my bike, right? Being in nature, those things are incredibly hope-giving. They help me to set my mind on who God is. Being in community and life groups and sharing life together, serving you know, uh, those in the city um, who have challenges I don't have reminds me of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. So take an active part in nurturing hope. Because we can live as image bearers now. The song that we sang, King of Kings, was really kind of a beautiful singing and illustration of really the entire message today that Jesus is the King of Kings. He was born, right? That he suffered. He walked through the suffering. He died. He rose. He forms his church. And that we one day will be resurrected. We live right now between the two resurrections. Jesus' resurrection and eventually our resurrection when we're ushered into new creation. We live in this tension right now. And Christ can do a work in us and through us right now. But it doesn't mean we escape pain. We avoid it. Jesus did not. He walked right through it. And he invites us to walk in it as well. And I know each of us is walking through something. Relationships, health issues, job challenges. See, we might think of God as the big fixer, right? That person that you call, right, in the movies. I, I'm a fan of, <laughs> I hesitate to say it, Pulp Fiction. It, it's not a very redemptive movie. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is one of my favorites. Don't watch any of his movies, though. Um, I didn't recommend them. But there's this guy, Mr. Wolf, who's the fixer. When you have a problem, you need a mess cleaned up, you call this guy, and he comes in and he fixes it. We might think of God as that type of person, someone you can call to clean up the mess, but he doesn't always do that. Maybe not yet. Maybe not in our timing. I know in my life there have been a few key moments where I prayed for God's healing. For myself, and diabetes, for a family member, that God would heal this person and now would be better than later. And I remember in this season of really pleading with God to bring his healing, he spoke these words to me. He said, wait, if I don't heal this person in the way that you want, will you still trust me? And I don't normally get, like, complete sentences when, you know, I'm communicating with God. Often it's a nudge of the heart. It's an impression. It's an idea. Um, but this was very clear, and that was the question. Would I trust God if he didn't fix the way I wanted him to fix? And that's what I had to wrestle through. See, Jesus does promise his presence he does promise his understanding. He does promise that he will be with us, which allows us to hold 
on to hope, to hold on to our suffering, to hold on to the pain in a different way. It allows us not to avoid it, but to walk through it living a little bit differently. I was thinking about this concept of, you know, living with COVID right now and having the promise of restrictions lifting, right? And the steps that we're taking for those restrictions to be lifted. And this summer, we traveled out of Hong Kong for the first time. And I knew what it was like to live without the restrictions. I didn't yet have that experience before we left, but I knew what it was like to live when things were sort of the way I wanted them to, where I could move freely, where I could be with family and friends. And it, that reality, knowing that reality, knowing that one day that reality would be here changes the way I live now. I could be changed. I hadn't yet experienced that new reality, but I know what that reality is like, and I know we're heading there, and it actually changed how I walk through COVID. Now, I don't know if you've had that experience or not, but that's an expression of what we can walk through anything with. We know the future reality when everything is made new will be here one day. And for me, it changes how I can walk through those things right now. My current reality might not have changed, but how I walk through it does. So how do we cultivate hope? One, we know the story isn't over yet. Two, we can know that God is up to something. We might not know what God is up to, but he is always at work. He is always up to something. We see that 400-year wait for Israel from the time of the prophets to Jesus. Well, God was up to something. Their questions thought, have you forgotten us? And then many actually didn't see Christ when he came, right? But God was up to something during that time. I'm not going to spend very much time here, but God was preparing Israel for the eternal kingdom and the eternal king. See, Israel's hope was, their hope was that they would return back to their glory, how their kingdom was with David. That's what they aspired to. That was their greatest time in their history. Their hope was that if we could be like we were when we were with David, that's what we want. God needed time to change Israel's expectations and heart to to have something that they could not yet even imagine, that his kingdom was not just for Israel, but was for the whole world. It included Jews and Gentiles and everybody. They didn't have that hope in their imagination. And maybe sometimes that's how it is for us. We can't yet imagine what God might do because we're fixed on what we want him to do. So God is at work in the midst of our waiting. He can give us a different perspective. We can bring our humility and acknowledge we might not completely understand what he is up to. Finally, how do we cultivate hope um, that God is with you? God is with you in it. The writer of Isaiah says this, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The Lord will give you strength to take one more step, to not be consumed, to not just survive, but to thrive and to flourish. He will not leave you on your own. We can see how God has come through for his people in Scripture. We know that God is at work in our own lives. When we're in the midst of waiting, where hope is hard, I encourage you to step back 
to reflect on how has God journeyed with you in the past? What has he brought you through? Maybe as a child, maybe during COVID, maybe this year. How has God pulled you through in the past? See, Jesus takes on our nature so we can take on his. We can live differently in this moment. There are times where it is discouraging. There are times where probably all of us struggle to hold on to hope. And maybe you're here today and that's where you are at. I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that you might be encouraged, that you might be encouraged by who God is and how he wants to walk with you. I hope that you might be encouraged to share your journey with others so you can be encouraged by them so they can hold you up when it is hard to do that yourself. See, we know how the story ends at the end of Revelation. We know that all things will be made new and we can believe in that reality and be changed in how we live right now. See, our hope can increase as we experience God over and over and over again. Your story is not over yet. God is up to something. And God will be with you through it. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you, in fact, are with us, that you walk with us, that you are faithful to us, even when our faith might waver in you. God, your word says that you see us, that we are not alone, that you are at work in us and in this world. And God, you are faithful to complete the work that you have started. So we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the journey that you walked on our behalf. In your name we pray. Amen.